This is the Influencers Network podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries. Uh, We're here in Bentonville, Arkansas, and uh, I'm here again with our founder, Rocky Fleming. Welcome, Rocky. Thank you, Brian. Good to be here. Yep. And, uh, you know, uh, Rocky, I was just thinking about how uh, our podcast topics or our blog topics are really just our li- stuff we're struggling with and trying to figure out in our own lives. <laughs> oh, and we, we kind of feel like if we're wrestling with it, then other people probably are too. So uh, we're just everyday guys on our journeys, you know, trying yeah. to figure things out. So that brings me to our topic for today, which is something I feel like it's been kind of stirring around in my own heart and, uh, and also some men around us in our leadership. And, and uh, it's, it's a word called sifting, which, uh, I'm going to say the first time I really uh, this came to me was through you, Rocky. Actually, you were you were speaking at a men's retreat for, uh, when I was at Kirk of the Hills in Tulsa. Right. You spoke at our men's retreat, and you were talking about uh, just to set this up. You were talking about how a man will be disciplined uh, if he's in got a sin in his life. As part of the abiding process, God will will discipline him because He wants him to get rid of that sin, or he can't really go further in his journey right. with the Lord. And then you said. If a man's kind of past that, there's no big obvious sins, but he's feeling pain, then it could be pruning, that he's trying to get some deeper heart surgery going on in a man's life. And and I and I had bought into that, and I'd read some stuff about that, Bruce Wilkinson's thoughts on that in Secrets of the Vine. But uh, but then you said there's a third level, and my ears perked up like, what, I, I haven't heard about this. <laughs> <laughs> and you said they're sifting. And the way you put it, anyway, and you will elaborate on this, was... There's certain men or women that God's calling to even a bigger work that He wants to do, and those those people have to be sifted. Right. That's what we're going to talk about today. And uh, let me set it up with the verse that uh, yeah. that, that is kind of the famous verse. Uh, Jesus, towards the end of Luke, uh, there's a scene where He's talking to Peter, and He calls him Simon, the you know his original name. He says, "Simon, Simon." This, uh, by the way, I'm in Luke 22:31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. So I could say what I think about that, but let's just dive into that right there, Rocky. I'm going to turn it over to you. So what gives? Right? <laughs> yeah, what, what is that all about? Well, I think you have to connect the dots on this whole process of discipleship by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Because, you see, the ultimate discipleship uh, of a man or a woman is the, the work that the Holy Spirit does in his life to reform him. You know, uh, I've said this many times, although we are a discipleship ministry, Brian, I don't, I'm not so sure we really ever disciple people. Mm. I think that what we do is we help them identify the things that get in the way of intimacy with Christ. Uh, that, that there are hindrances that keep us from hearing him and keeping us from uh, fully realizing who we are and what we can become. Um, and so the, the discipleship begins by getting in close proximity with Christ. That's the real deal, right? Mm-hmm. 
Otherwise, we're just discipling to be guys like you and me. Right. We don't want that. We want them to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We've got to get people into close proximity with the Holy Spirit so that they're listening to him. And so from that standpoint, uh, from the very beginning and, and all the way through the end of a person's usefulness for Christ, there is a divine process. There's a, a divine plan. And you just mentioned some of it, and that is when a, when a Christian comes into uh, a relationship with Christ, then they're, they're orphans from, from the refugee camp, so to speak, and they still think like it, don't they? Mm -hmm. They still carry a lot of the sins. You know, when we come to know Christ, it doesn't mean we all, all of a sudden become sin-free. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, we'll begin to sin less, and as we grow closer to him, we will sin less. That is that whole sanctifying process of growing more Christ-like. It's not immediate. For some people, it might be kind of immediate, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't for you. It uh, tends toward being as we get closer to him and as we begin to think more like him and we began to listen to him, then we began to see that the, the, the temptations that we once had have lost their appetite. So that is a process and it began first with discipline because the scriptures in Hebrews says that, that we are not legitimate children of God if we're not disciplined. And discipline for the moment doesn't seem to be good, it seems bad but afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So discipline uh, is to root out a practice of sin in our life. Uh, we're never gonna be able to root out our, our stumbling and sin. As long as we're on this earth, uh, we're gonna sin. I mean, it just happens. Uh, and it's almost like reality. And, and, do, and, I, and I would like to say that I, I want to not sin. I, I don't want to sin. I have a desire not to sin. But man, I sinned last night hmm. with uh, a statement that I made and, and, it, and the, the Spirit just kicked me and it brought me to tears hmm. because I felt like that I was wrong in something. It was that quick for me. Hmm. Um, but I sinned and I repented and I was forgiven. But it's another thing to have a practice of sin. A practice of sin is just to hold on to it not let go of it, uh, have it in your life, uh, keep it in your life. And if that happens, then God will discipline you. He'll make you miserable because you can't get any further with that, your relationship with him. It's gonna be hung up right there. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that when we get beyond that phase of life and we begin in, in, into an abiding relationship with Christ, uh, then he, he has an objective, and that is for our lives to be fruitful. Mm -hmm. uh, evidenced by the, the way we appear to people, the fruit of the Spirit is evidence in our life. And the way we use our spiritual gifts, because he wants us to be a part of the kingdom's work. He wants to make of us, make of us laborers. So this, this pruning is a part of producing fruit, where discipline is to root out sin, Pruning is to help us produce fruit. Now this leads to sifting. Hmm. Because again, it's another part of the developments of the Holy Spirit in our life. And I would say this, that not everyone necessarily will be sifted. But sifting uh, 
I have found occurs when God has something very special in store for a person to join him in that will be a very fruitful ministry. In order for it to be a fruitful ministry, it has to be more of Christ and less of me. Hmm. And, you know, in this passage where Jesus told Peter that, that Satan has asked for permission to sift him like wheat, you have to imagine wheat is when they sifted it, they'd throw it up in the wind. And the good stuff would come down, the bad stuff would float off, and they would do it over and over and over. Hmm. I remember sifting uh, by watching my grandmother, and she had an old sifting mill. And you'd, she'd put flour in it, and she would turn that mill, and, and it would go through it, and eventually it'd come down at the bottom, and that which went in was lumpy and kind of packed together. That which came out was very light, hmm. and it caused her to make the best pie crust and, and biscuits in the world. And they would not have been that way had they not been sifted. Is is refining another word for it? Maybe. Yeah, very, very, very fine refining. Yeah. You, you have cornmeal, which is kind of rough, but you have flour that gets to be really, really fine. Mm -hmm. And so this is the finest part. It's a purification process, and there, there, there are several um, acronyms that are used. You know that. Uh, about it. It could be uh, going in the furnace, it could be a fire, it could be melting, it could be purification like gold. I mean, mm -hmm. those are metaphors that are used in the Bible, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, not acronym, excuse me. But anyway, the, the metaphors that are used are, are for us to have a point of view that what God is doing is He's refining us for a purpose. He's refining us for something that He has in mind. Now let's connect it with Peter. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't only a few weeks later uh, after the resurrection and after Christ being with them and being in the ascension, watching that, and then uh, being led to go to Pentecost and gather there, and this is where Pentecost occurred in that upper room there. And it came out and immediately Peter took his role right there. And you see this salty fisherman now who was, I think, anything but eloquent beforehand because he was just an ordinary man, right? Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden now we see a, a transformation in this man's life that it says that 3,000 men alone yeah, that day were led to Christ and then were taken and baptized. And this was the beginning of the church. So my question to you is do you think that man, Peter, could have been at that place doing that very thing unless he was sifted? Because mm. what happened when he was sifted? What happened to him? Do you remember? Well, I, I'm, I'm assuming that it had something to do with him denying Christ three times. That, that, that was part of it. And he never thought he would, did he? Right. That's right. He thought, man, I am so loyal, I can never see my death after deserting him. I can never see myself running from a fight. I'll die before I do that, right? That's right. That's the old Peter talking. But Peter uh, had based his life on a, an illusion. 
he, he was living an illusion of the man he thought he was, and then when it came down to the reality of who he was, what happened to him? He broke. Mm -hmm. And this is what sifting does. It breaks us from the old man. It breaks us from the old illusions. Mm. It breaks us from that man that says, I can serve you, Lord, in my strength. I am that kind of guy. I'm a hero of heroes, and I'll, get, I'll be a hero for you, right? Mm -hmm. I'll be a superstar for Jesus, right? Let me tell you, if you want to be a superstar for Jesus, you won't be recognized. Mm. You'll be unrecognized. The work you do will probably be obscure. It'll probably be not known. You won't get any applause for it, but boy, God's applauding you. Mm. And, and, you're, and you're good with that. And you, right. not only that, you want it. You want That's right. Because a broken man is broken of himself. Mm -hmm. And what is replaced is Jesus. A, a real, genuine worship and purpose for Jesus. And my life is for him, his sake, not for my sake. And that comes from sifting. Mm. That comes from breaking. And that's what's required in order to be able to be delivered into a, a ministry position where we can really impact lives. Because if we don't, guess what it will do? If we have a great fruit that's born from our life, what do you think it'll do if we hadn't been sifted, if we hadn't been prepared for it? It'll probably destroy us. Hmm. Our egos will be so stroked that uh, we'll be led into sin and not know it. We'll be led into a deterioration of our soul and not even see it coming. And so, like the Holy Spirit always does, Brian, he's, he's working in our life and he's preparing us. He's coaching us up and he's, he's getting us to a place where we can honor him with our life, with our spiritual gifts. And some people, not all people, but some people will be invited to a place of ministry that they're an ordinary man or woman that they could never have ever seen themselves there. But they find something in that breaking that remakes them and prepares them for something God has in mind. Hmm. Now, why did I know that? Because I saw it in my own life. And, you know, I can make that connection and you hear it all the time that for me, and that is experience trumps theory all day long. And I can't, I can't teach on sifting. I can't connect that dot if I hadn't connected dot in my own life. And I had some very difficult times, but as I look back, I, I celebrate them. I thank God for them. I really thank God for them because they were a delivery system. They delivered me from the old man that could never be able to do the things that God has invited me to be a part of now. Hmm. I would have been the greatest hindrance to the blessings that we've seen with influencers and the things that God has allowed me to be a part of. I, the old Rocky, I would have been the greatest hindrance. I would have kept it from happening. But the breaking and the sifting was necessary and I thank God for it. Hmm. And that's why I can look at you and that's why I've told you, Brian, you're being sifted. Hmm. But I'm not looking to the man that's getting beat up here. I'm looking to the man that's going to emerge from it. Mm. It's going to be a great leader that's going to lead influencers into the future. 
And you're going to be the same man that's going to be able to give this message to our staff and to our leaders and other people when they're being sifted. Hold on, because God's got a, a great plan for you. Hmm. And you know, Brian, that's, that's really the re reason why we're recording this right now and sending it out over the airway to thousands of people. It's well, somebody out there is being sifted. That's right. And they need, to make, they need to connect a dot here. It's not because God doesn't love them. It doesn't. It's not because God is out of control here. It's not because God's not aware of their pain. It's because God has a very special plan to use them, and he's preparing the way. And he prepares the way by first preparing them. So the question is this, from me to you, when we're being sifted, What's the best way to get through it? What's your What's your thoughts on that? Oh, I think I think it's just uh, pressing in close to the Lord. You know, pressing into His Word, getting on your knees, and 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 you know, and not necessarily having to know why. Okay. Not not necessarily you know because our tendencies want to ask the question why mm -hmm. why me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why just, is that, though? Is it because we feel like we need to give God permission to do what he wants to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, and Oswald Chambers always says self-pity is from the devil, uh -huh, you know, and uh -huh. I agree with that. You know, I, and and uh, it's kind of like uh, our friend Gary Oliver who says, where's Waldo? you you, yeah. you got to look for the God. You know, the Waldo is kind of finding Waldo in the midst of a chaotic experiences you know finding God in the midst of the pain or the chaos and, right. and look try to look for what he's what he's doing yeah. and this is where journaling is my greatest you know ally I'll just start writing all my thoughts down and pouring my heart out to God and being real raw with what I'm thinking and feeling and and he helps me process and he ministers to me in the midst of all that and and you, if you just if you submit to it then you find peace when you fight it that's when you're miserable you know mm -hmm. and uh I, I remember having what I would call sifting, which got me here to Arkansas to, to work for influencers. And you, you saw it coming and, and predicted it even, and, and, and it happened. But I kind of thought that I was done. I mean, I was good. <laughs> <laughs> but there's been another level of sifting going did on. I, but did I mention <laughs> something about illusions? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it's not bad news, but it, it's kind of startling when you, you know, realize that he's never done with us. You know, he's still, he's still trying to help us help us get to be the man he wants us to become yeah. you know and sometimes you look back and you realize how much you've changed in a good way yeah you know some of the things you thought were so important are not that important anymore you know so so yeah just pressing into him and and just waiting you know you're not going to always have the answers of the epiphany sometimes it's years later that you figure out what that was all about but trust him yeah. in the middle of it all well you know that you bring an interesting point there and that is that we tend toward thinking that we we, we climb a mountain and we get on a plateau and that's about it. And how old are you? I am 51. 51 years old, so you think you're on that plateau, right? <laughs> 51, I've learned all I need to know, right? Well, I'm 73 and I'm telling you, you got a lot ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Now, I'd like to think I have, but honestly, I, I, gotta, I gotta believe this. If I'm gonna be vital in my king's hand, I've got to be listening to him. and. There's something that's true about this thing of pain. And that is that when we are on our mountaintops with the Lord and everything is sweet and wonderful and rosy, we hear him whisper to us. But we're, we're in our valleys and we have the heat coming on us. When we have pain in our life, he shouts at us. Mm -hmm. He shouts. 
things are more pertinent. Mm -hmm. a, a word that we read there that gives us living water refreshes us. It turns our heart. And, and believe me, uh, those, are, those are building blocks. Those are steps in maturity, in transformation, mm -hmm. in preparation. Um, I knew it when I was playing football and, you know, those days in Oxford, Mississippi when it was uh, 95 degrees and 90% humidity and they didn't give us any fluids back then. Uh, it, was, it was brutal. In fact, we even had two, two players die on the field uh, in, in two consecutive years. And uh, in consecutive years, and uh, you know, it was it, it, they weren't mean to us. It's that, that's the way we were trained back then, and and we were we were toughened up. We were probably extremely tough. Uh, the people that survived it were the ones that went on the field on Saturday, and they're the ones that won the game because we never gave up. We never gave up. We never gave up. So I know the value of training. I know it firsthand physically. I know the value of having good coaches. I have an understanding that they take us to the brink and then they bring us back before we're, we're, we're gone. But uh, just think about God being a coach. Think about him preparing us for game time. Think about him having to take us through our own two-a-days without water, under the sun, in high humidity, to check our resilience, to to form in us a, a perseverance, to form in us a, a, a desire to never give up, to serve him, to serve his purpose, to literally die for him. Hmm. Now, if our corporations and our football coaches and our football teams and our athletics and everything we do can ask that of us, why would the King of Kings not ask that of us? Mm -hmm. And why of all people? we would not be willing to give him that complete loyalty. Mm -hmm. But this is what he's doing. He's forming in us. He's reforming us. That's where I like the word reform because I think we are reformed for the, from the men who began this journey into men after his own heart mm -hmm. who are courageous, gallant, uh, pure, mm -hmm. uh, tender, but very, very frightening because of our courage. Uh, God is forming up uh, spiritual uh, soldiers of the cross, weapons for the Holy Spirit, weapons of righteousness, and it doesn't come easy. Hmm. And for certain people who are going to be called to be uh, at the leader of those type of people, they're gonna be sifted. Hmm. And uh, that's when sifting becomes a good thing, not a bad thing. I want to I want to read this real quick. Uh, this I made this connection uh, the other day. I was reading about uh, Saul, who became Paul, mm -hmm. in his Damascus Road experience when you know he's blinded, and most people know that story. But uh, you know, God told Ananias, you know, I want you to go pray for for Saul, and you know, he was like, what? <laughs> the guy who's been putting everyone in prison. Mm -hmm. But the words he said to Ananias are, were really important, and it was this. He says, he said, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. And, and I just thought that was interesting, that this is what he, the message he told Ananias to tell Saul, who was right. to become Paul. Right. And we know Paul went on yeah. to be the greatest 
you know, missionary, preacher, you yeah. know, get this church started, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but he had to suffer. And then Paul even later talks about the thorn in the flesh. He talks about being in prison and being oh, yeah. beaten and, yeah. and, and suffering, you know. You think that was sifting? Well, I think Paul was sifted all of his, all of his ministry life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that thorn of the flesh is an example of it. Now, the, the, but there's a connection point, what he said about that. Because it, it says in Scripture that he asked uh, the Lord three times to take away that thorn. And the Lord said, no, for my power is perfected in your weakness. Yeah. And Paul went on to say, uh, therefore, most gladly. I rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ may dwell in me. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Mm. See, Paul made the connection because Paul was probably, uh, well, I know he was arrogant in the beginning. Uh, even as an early Christian, he was pretty arrogant. Mm-hmm. He thought he could reason in the temples and then everybody come along with him because he had so much knowledge that he was a Jew of Jews, right? Mm-hmm. He had a license to kill, by the way. I mean, he was a 007 Jew. <laughs> from the standpoint of, of, you know, being the elitist. But he also said things like this later on in his ministry that we, I determined not to come to you with eloquent speech, but just with a humble Christ crucified so that the power of the Holy Spirit will have his way in you rather than the persuasiveness of a man. Mm. So Paul looked at himself as, I don't have much to offer mm. except a man dependent on Christ. And that's why he says, I'm in change because of Christ, and I celebrate it. Mm. And, you know, we look at that and say, well, why in the world would, let, would God let this servant be in prison so much? But he ever thought that all of this New Testament, about two-thirds of it at least or more, is written by Paul when he was in prison? Mm-hmm. You think Paul would have written those letters if he could have gone to see those people in face-to-face? I don't think so. Mm. I think his imprisonment is what caused him to be able to connect dots like he would not otherwise and write them out, and they be recorded, and now we're reading them today. And just think of how how these things feed us. You think God had a plan here? Mm. He had a magnificent plan, and Paul had to submit to it. And Paul had to go through sifting. Paul had to go through beatings. He had to go through thorn flesh. But at the end of the day, Paul's home. <laughs> Paul's celebrating. And I can guarantee you saying, I'm thanking God that I was able to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens when we begin to connect the dot that God's got a plan, even in my sifting. He's preparing me for something better. Well, you know, and we talked a couple weeks ago on a podcast about the times we live in. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think people have to look far to realize there's a need for people to be discipled. And, and yeah. a need, people are desperate out there. And so I think we just need to say a word to our men and women out there who, like you said, maybe they're being sifted right now. Mm-hmm. And, and encourage them that it's good. It's, a, it's good news. And, that, and how much they are needed to turn that pain into into a harvest, you know, in the future, yeah. don't you think? Oh, absolutely. You know, in Philippians 4, it talks about, you know, when, when we're going through a lot of stuff, it says, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. You remember that one? Mm-hmm. You know what it says right before that? Mm. It says, rejoice. Yeah. Rejoice yeah. in the Lord. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men, because God is near. Mm. That's my version of it. Mm. You, you can look in Philippians 4 if you like. You'll see 
the exact translation of it. But that, here's how that speaks to me. When it says rejoice, it means in the face of things that give you anxiety. Mm-hmm. In the face of your trial, rejoice mm-hmm. because God's near. He's with you right here, right now, right in your situation, right in your circumstance. He's with you. Rejoice. Mm-hmm. Then it says, let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. What does that mean? I mean, this is your witness. God has teed it up for you because of what you're going through for people to see how you make it through it. Now, will they see somebody who is weighed down with self-pity? Hmm. Or they will see a person who is rejoicing because God's near you and your hope is in Him. Because mm-hmm. this is where it's teed up for us. This is where we're able to really sh- be a light in darkness. That's right. We're the candle that's lit in let it in darkness and it shines out, but it happens in our pain. Mm. It happens when we're going through it, the sifting. But he also says this, don't be anxious. Mm-hmm. Don't be anxious, but let your prayers be known. And the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension will come to guard your hearts and mind, Christ Jesus. We're in our sifting. I mean, you don't get out of your sifting. You're going to be in your sifting. You're going to be sifted until God's through. But how you get through it is you, like you said, you, you settle in, you become contrite before him, you rest in him and say, take it from here, Lord. Mm-hmm. I'm going to trust you. He'll get you through it. And at the end of it, he will make you an amazing witness to your world around you. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, that, those are good words. Well, and, and uh, I feel like I want to put a little teaser out there that uh, about your new book called right. Abide, which we're going to be releasing in a few months, and uh, yeah. it's going to be part of the curriculum com- right. coming up, and there's a whole chapter on sifting, which is. Uh, which is one of my favorite <laughs> chapters. Uh, so uh, be looking for that out there. We'll, we'll let you know about that coming up soon. So, well, thank you, Rocky. Uh, all of you out there, if you're interested in learning more about influencers and, and our journey process, which is our discipleship process, uh, go to our website, influencers.org, and uh, there's all sorts of resources there and videos and, and ways to connect with us. But, uh, but all of you who have uh, been through the journey and are influencers, we just want to keep encouraging you to, to, to be an influencer and, and to, uh, to help other people find what you found because uh, more and more we need more leaders out there. We need more guides, and we need pe- more people who will give their lives away to help the cause of Christ. So, so we hope that this has uh, blessed you today and helped you in your journey. I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.